So as we look today, and as we'll hear a bit in our gospel, we hear the word justice appear over and over and over again. And so the question that I have for us is, do we live in justice or do we live in justice? And how do we always know the difference? Because I know for me, oftentimes, I want to believe I'm living in justice, but I'm probably living a little bit too much for myself. And that will lead me down the path of injustice at times. And I can feel sometimes justified by my injustice, by the way that I feel I've been given Oh, maybe some authority or, or a way that I'm supposed to understand how, how my life is and what I'm called on to be for the people around me. And some of that comes to us from 2 Timothy, where this letter is written to Timothy, and he's given a bit of a charge as to how he is to live his life. And so, John, will you read that portion of 2 Timothy for us? Yes, the writer of this letter, who is Paul, continues his instruction of Timothy, his younger colleague in ministry, by emphasizing the importance of faithful teaching despite opposition. The reading. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. So as I hear these words, I know where I enter into the story often. I enter into the story and it makes me feel as if this letter was written to me to give me all authority. And so now I have the authority to do some fun things with you like it mentions to us there that now I could have the scripture that's inspired by God and it's handed over to me and it's useful for teaching. And I really do enjoy those teaching opportunities that come my way as a part of my pastoral life. But then it doesn't say just that, but then it says that these scriptures are also useful for, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 
And too often I go, that's what's really fun. I mean, it's okay to teach you, but when I can rebuke you, and when I can sort of tell you that you have to re-encounter righteousness, now I feel like I have the full authority of Scripture that is resting upon me because I realize in that that the Scripture has been given to me, so therefore I'm now the authority, and now I'm allowed to tell you exactly what you should think, and the world would be a better place if we all just learned that, that I'm the one who gets to do all of those things. And then I realize it comes up a little bit later as we're talked about, and uh, we're talking about proclaiming the message, be persistent, whether it's favorable or unfavorable. Again, these wonderful words, convince, rebuke, and I also get to encourage you. But if I get to rebuke you first and then encourage you to start acting the way I act, it feels like it just feels like then I'm living in justice. Like I'm taking the authority that's been handed to me and I'm doing with it what God desires of me to do. And then I have to think about that word justice a little bit more. And so in our gospel reading, Jesus is talking with his disciples, with the people who were gathered around him as well, and he wanted people to get a little insight into how it is that God wants to be a part of justice in the world. And so Jesus creates a parable. A parable is a made-up story. So this is not a historical account that Jesus is talking to us about a widow and a judge, but makes up, up this story to grant us this truth. We read this from Luke chapter 18. Luke, Luke says, Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. So Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so as I hear that gospel read, and I hear this word justice relayed over and over again, first we hear about this widow who simply wants justice. She does not say, let me go to this judge so, so I can prevail over my opponent, but I want justice against my opponent. Not asking for any more than she believes should be coming her way. And so clearly that's what it is that the judge finally dispenses, is this sense of justice. Now for me, I realized that if I were in that story, I would want to say, rule in my favor, no matter what, at all costs. And if it's okay, add a little extra on at the end if you want, and I'd be okay with that too, because I feel like I am so right 
so justified in my actions and what I ask for that it should be granted to me carte blanche. And then I realized that that letter to Timothy is also a letter to me. As much as I was told that the authority of Scripture, that I should take that really seriously, there also came this little warning that people will start getting itching ears. They'll start wanting to listen to voices that tell them how just they are and how justified their actions should be. And I realized that I may no longer be living in justice. I may be the very embodiment of injustice because I might try to put my own wants, my own desires, my own brand of authority over, above, and to rule over others. And that's when I have to find out what it is that God was really trying to do in all of this. So as God talks, uh, Jesus gives this parable about the widow talking to a judge and justice being dispensed, Jesus says, you got to understand this. Now Jesus was probably talking a little bit about how often we come to God in prayer and people were saying, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to bother God. So maybe just one prayer a day might be all I really should do. Maybe even a prayer a week might do it because I don't want to disturb God too much in all of it is that God is doing. But I think what Jesus was trying to say is when we really have something that, that we need to plea for the sake of the world, that God will never get tired of hearing that. And I wondered about that the way we just go about our worship life. And I realized just in looking through our worship bulletin that we plead to God constantly for God's justice. We just don't quite realize it. Because God's justice is something that comes in a way and is given in a way that I wouldn't always give it. I would want to dole it out quite specifically and very much catered to my needs. But I realize that's not how God treats the world. In fact, if I would look at the way God treats the world, I would say God is a God of injustice. God does not treat people fairly. And I'll show you that we often do the same thing. So in your worship bulletin, let me drop these notes out so I don't drop them. Um, if you have that open, we're going to run through this a little bit. If you're with us online, uh, I'll read these out. You'll, you'll be able to follow along simply, or if you have a way to print it, feel free to do that. But if we just open up our worship bulletin to page two, you may have noticed as we were going through our liturgy this morning, there were underlined sections. I was waiting to see if the congregation would like say those really, really forcefully, wondering why they were underlined. This is why they're underlined. Because I wanted to point out all of the ways we ask for God to act on our behalf. And so let's take a look at some of them. Early on in our confession, we had this line, and yet we also know that God loves us anyway. That is, we realize we are people who do sinful things against our neighbor and against God, and God loves us anyway. My brand of justice would say that no, you should get punished for the actions that you do against somebody else, and yet God's love does not hold that standard. And when it comes to our sin, God loves us anyway. 
We're not done. We've got a lot more to go. Um, and so later on, a couple of lines down, in response to God's grace. We might hear that so often. We might hear about God's grace so often that we take it for granted that God's grace comes upon us specifically because we do not deserve it. That's the whole concept of grace, is that it's not a deserved uh, attribute of God upon us, but that God chooses to bring us God's blessings through that. Toward the end, as we heard this, a part of that gift of, for, of forgiveness, God is merciful and slow to anger, abounding in mercy and everlasting love. I mean, I've got a little mercy, and I've got some love, but I do not abound in it nearly as often as I should, and it's hard to think that it is everlasting at time. And then this simple proclamation, your sins are forgiven. That was it. There were no qualifiers to it. There were no, if you manage to do A, B, and C, then nothing like that. Simply this pronouncement, your sins are forgiven. That's God's brand of justice. We went on toward the, the bottom of the Kyrie, this little line there, uh, Lord have mercy, you redeem the world. And that gives us now this extent of how far reaching this sense of God's love, God's grace, God's injustice of not needing everybody to take care of every wrong they've ever done. God simply redeems the world. On the next page in our hymn of praise, there at page four, right in the middle of that hymn of praise, we said, Spirit of God, you are compassion. That, that just gets at the very attribute of who God is and how God reacts to us. And then in that prayer of the day, we all said, I'll ask God to inspire us to seek God's enduring justice for this suffering world. God's enduring justice. I mean, I might get to the point where I might try to be just and, and to live out justice, but man, sometimes I'm at the end of the rope and I'm just done. But God's justice is enduring for us. As a part of the Apostles' Creed, we had that line at the beginning. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. We have to believe in that power of God for our very lives. And as we were getting ready to hear the word in the middle of that song of acclamation, we said to God, you have the words to end all strife. Not some of it. You know, not, not times when we're, we're into strife, but we really come to God and we're trying to, trying to work our way through all of that and God will recognize the goodness in us and end the strife in us. No qualifiers at all. God is a God who is attempting to end all strife. That's just what we've done so far. Let's go ahead and look at, see what we're going to say later on in worship. Uh, I, I read that last line of Luke chapter 18. It's on page six in your bulletin where Jesus asked that question, will God delay long in helping us? No, God will quickly grant justice. It's just sometimes I don't see it because I'm caught up in my brand of justice, which I start to realize at times looks more like injustice to God than it does or than it should. In our prayers of the people, we'll ask this as we get into that. Trusting in your mercy. That's how we enter into prayer. By trusting, you know, I guess that's how we ended our prayer when I think about it. But at the end of our prayer, we'll know all of these prayers are a part of trusting in God's mercy for us. Um, 
On page eight, you'll see some things that are underlined. Those really are always underlined. That's just a URL if you get the bulletin online. So don't pay attention to those, but do go to page nine. As a part of our communion liturgy, we get the sense of this overwhelming presence of God. We'll hear about Jesus stretched, his arms were stretched out for all, for everyone. We say that again and again because that's so instrumental in what happens with this meal that we share. In this meal, we are all made one. In this meal, we are all made whole. And we get that God's justice is lived out in a community where we understand this about each other as well. We'll go on as we sing that, that holy, holy, that second to last line, blessed is Christ who saves us all. It's like we cannot affirm that enough that we understand that about God and how God is. Finally, on page 10, during that Lamb of God, we see it repeated again and again. You take away the sin of the world. And finally, that second to last line, you take away my sin. And I realize it. And when I realize that God really does take away my sin, it gives me the strength to live out into a world in a way that, in a way that I can live more like God. And, and, and as I say this, I am not by any means saying, let's just do away with the whole court system and not have to worry about any of that. I am not talking about that at all. I'm really talking about the way that we encounter God, the way that we lay ourselves open before God and realize that there may be times in our life where people do the same for us, where people truly feel sorry for the way that they have wronged us, and yet, maybe sometimes they don't. And our call is still to still offer them grace and mercy and forgiveness. Our call is to not let their sin be a burden on us or maybe even on them. And sometimes that will look like injustice because it won't look like the way I want to live with my authority. But I think to God, I think that's just how God lives. When God lives with that, God lives in justice. It, it might be a little beyond my understanding at times, but I hope it's not beyond my striving. My striving to want to be what God calls me to be in the world. And if in the end, it still feels like injustice, I'll say, well, I'm gonna turn that over to God and realize it's not just for me, it's for all of us. Not a bad way to live. Amen.